My life is just a human one, but you pick me up and call me son. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. Yes, your child will serve faithfully. So I'll sing the glories of your name. Your awesomeness I will proclaim That old thing's a microphone. It's in the room over there. I'll go grab that. Praise God. No, really, I mean praise him, you know, praise him. And honor him. And acknowledge him. You know, the word said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And then he'll direct the steps of your path. Yes, not loud enough. Is that better? I'm like echoing now. I suppose it sounds too loud to me, but it's okay for, for y'all. Okay, so in case you missed that again, the word said, in all your ways, acknowledge God. And then he'll direct your path, right? That is the correct quotation, right? Y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, you know. Okay, so um, 
Now, before I get into this, I, I you know, I, I, it's been heavy on my heart, you know, again, you know, because obviously God's moving us out, and uh, I st- we still don't have a date, but but God is zeroing us in on on a time, and it's it's uh, He seems to be acceler- accelerating things, but at the same time, we still have to get finances in order and things like that into place and and uh, all of that. And but I had it on my heart that you know, there's really you know, there's uh, there's no reason to like try to generate suspense and so like I had mentioned we have a plan in place to to move forward for who will take over after here we have one among us here who is um, close to my heart uh, somebody who has uh, worked with me for many years we work well together and a man of good standing a person who I trust and so I'll go ahead and, and he has said I I I believe that God is telling me to take up the mantle and so that there is, is Tim Hickman so Tim will take over after uh, after Tammy and I head out and I trust him he is capable and able and so he will be able to continue to teach you the things that you need to know amen and of course speaking of that let's turn over to John 14 and so I've titled this series the meaning of life. And yeah, you know, I mean, some amount of that, of course, is a clickbait, but but it is absolutely true, you know, what, what I'm going to share here. And, you know, go ahead and turn to, did I, did I say that, turn to John 14? Did I say that? It'll be a little while before I get there, but I'm just, just having you turn there for now. And, you know, it's like a title, like I said, a title, the meaning of life, and I guess some of you may be thinking, well, how can such a young guy possibly ever answer that question? And my response to that is, thank you, I try to stay as young looking and fit as possible. Huh? That's right, <laughs> 125. <laughs> I may not look it. No, so, you know, at the beginning of my life, being born, and yes, at one time I was a baby, just like all of us here, and growing up, you know, I got my identity at a very young age, and found meaning and purpose from my mom and dad, from my immediate family, the way we lived, the way we ate, etc., I mean, that's where you find, that's the earliest time where a person finds their meaning, and all babies, from the time that they were born, are learning about identity and meaning. As they grow. I mean, e- even with like the simple things, like, you know, okay, you're you're hungry. Here's your here's your bottle. No, don't touch that. You know, that is all playing into learning their identity and the meaning in in life. And uh, even those babies who are born into a dysfunctional household, that's true even there, because there are some things. And I, I remember, you know, I had a, a real close friend growing up, and. And uh, he was stuck in a situation where he's taking care of an aging parent, and he had other siblings that could step in, but they didn't, and kind of left him holding the bag. And and uh, you know he was talking about how he was like, well, I, you know, I, I really, for my own health, I really should be leaving here. And and but he couldn't bring himself to do that for you know uh, because he's like duty bound, honor bound, even though it's uh, not the best type of a situation. He's like, I feel like I need to be there. And I was talking to my mom about it. My mom is a trained counselor. 
And, uh, you know, I just mentioned it to her. I was like, you know, why doesn't he just leave there, you know? And she said, she made an interesting comment. She said, well, he, if he would leave if he wasn't getting something out of that relationship. And so even though it was a difficult relationship and it's a hard relationship, there's still something he is getting from that. It, it, and it may, it may just be one little thing or, or, or some, something along that line. And so, you know, I was blessed to be brought up in a wonderful household. But even those who grow up in difficult households, they will still look to parents or siblings or cousins or whoever, whoever it is that they attach themselves to for cues as to what they should be like, act like, think like. Is that not correct? I mean, so, so even those growing up without parents, even them, they will look to some person to get cues as to what their identity should be and how they can find some sort of meaning in life. You can observe that truth no matter what age you are. You can just look at, if you just look behind the surface at what people's motives are and what drive them, and why are they doing what they do instead of just looking at the actual action of what they're doing? One of the most basic uh, places that we find meaning uh, is the, the difference between right and wrong. I mean, that's true even in the world. People who aren't, aren't, uh, aren't Christians, e- even, even they have a sense of what's right and wrong. Of course, nowadays, there's this big push to blur those lines, and the Bible talks about that happening in the last days, and it's happened before in ancient times. Woe to those who put forth evil for good and good for evil. But even, even alongside that, there is still um, a, a, a knowing of the difference between good and evil, and there are some cases where societies that have actually taught enough generations of people that something that is wrong is right. They actually start to, they really don't know the difference between right and wrong, but we're not going to get into that teaching right now. In those days, God has a certain way that he handles that, and he is just and good. So I remember the day that I willingly chose to do wrong. Now, it, 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 I'm not going to get into the, the whole teaching on the age of accountability, but it, it was, for me, it was in kindergarten. I remember the day very well. I lied to the teacher. Yes, I did. I know it's shocking, right? I lied to the teacher. But see, even as I did that, and see, I, I knew because I actually took the time to fabricate the lie, okay? I had friends growing up that told me, you know, you'd be a really good liar. And I'm like, so what? <laughs> so anyway, so as I did it, as, even as I was saying the lie, I knew something in my life had changed. I'm talking about the first time. I knowingly did something that I believed in my heart was wrong. What I'm, ta- I'm not talking about any uh, times after that. I'm talking about the first time. There's this heaviness that came into my heart that I had never had before, never experienced before in my life. Never, never felt that way. And the teacher looked me in the eye and she said, Philip, you just lied to me. And she told me, you're on time out. You know, you got to, you know, put your, put your head down in your arms and, and sit here at the chair, you know, or at the, in the, the seat until your time out's over. And man, I had some gut-wrenching tears. Not because I was on time out. You understand that? Not because I was on time out, but because, <laughs> but because I knew 
that my life was never going to be the same again from that point on. I just knew. So how, how can, how can a, a kindergartner understand that? They can. They, can under, they can't articulate it. They can't, you know, pull up a whiteboard over here and say, now this is why my life will never be the same again. <laughs> because of what just happened right here in my heart, and you can trace it down to my, my motives and my, no. But they'll know things will never be the same. They know. And even after my teacher told me the time out was over, I stayed where I was because I felt like I could have no more purpose. It's like, what's the point? I mean, up until that point, life's all about, you know, for me at least, was about play and, oh, we're going to run around and, and do recess and whatever we're going to do. I miss those times. I miss those times where there was appointed nap times. I'm like, oh, I'll take a nap right now. But see, for me at that moment, my life had lost its meaning, lost its meaning. And if you ask anyone that you meet if they have ever done something wrong or have ever done something they knew in their heart was wrong, their answer would be yes, as long as they're being truthful. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's not God's fault. So then, from the moment that you were conceived, you have been given a life from God. But as you got older, there was a day that you knowingly, willfully did something you believe was wrong in your heart, and then at that moment, there was an instinctual understanding that the life you had been given had lost its meaning. This is why people all over the world are searching for the meaning of life. You ever wonder where that question comes from? Why do people ask that question? It's because they, don't, they feel like they have no meaning in life. Why? Because at some point, they were separated from God, separated from the life that is in God, they still have their physical life, but spiritually they're dead. Okay? So it's why, that's why that question, what is the meaning of life, will, will uh, every t if, you type, if you type that in on any online search engine, you start typing in what is the meaning of, it'll come up. It'll be in, in you know, probably the top, top four. And the answer to the meaning of life is really very simple although it is complicated to carry out and it's difficult to carry out. See, you knew there was a catch, didn't you? There is a catch, but it's a more rewarding catch than you can ever imagine, than you can ever imagine. Take a look here in John 14 at this conversation that Jesus has with his disciples right before he goes to the cross. And so he's giving them something to look forward to. He says here in verse 14, because he just told him he's going to the cross. He, he said, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving now. Now, in spirit, like he said, I'm with you to the end of the age. But he's like, physically, I'm not going to be with you anymore. Verse 1, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Let it not. Let it not be troubled. So, okay, so then the heart's, the heart's natural tendency is to be troubled. Why? Because when a person first turns away from God, the first time that they knowingly do something that they believe is wrong, then at that moment, they're spirit, spiritually, they are dead. And, and like I said, you read in the scripture, the spirit and the heart are, are synonyms when it comes to this. 
And so they become spiritually dead. And so, so then, of course, because now you have no meaning. So, of course, it, it, your, the natural tendency of your heart is going to be to be troubled. But Jesus said, don't let it do that. Don't let it do your, your, Jesus is saying, your natural tendency of your heart is going to be to be troubled, but do not allow it to do that. Why? He said, you believe in God. Believe also in me. Trust me. Trust me. And then he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. He's talking about his direct presence now. You will be with me in my direct presence. Verse 4, he says, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If Jesus himself is the life, he must also be the purpose of life. And if he is the life, he must also be the one to determine to you what the purpose of your life is. He is the one who will give your life meaning. And there is an ultimate meaning, but there's also a meaning that you carry, a meaning that is carried. Because as you walk with him day by day and you spend time with him and he gives you things to do, things to say, things to, you will have meaning with every step. It will be with you. Most Christians can quote John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Have everlasting life. My friends, my dear friends, my dear, dear friends, my dear, dear, dear friends, God is smart. He knows that life without meaning is pointless. He knows that. He understands that. What's the point of life without meaning? What's the point? That's why he seeks meaningful relationships with the people that he sent Jesus to die for. And I was thinking about it the other day, and I'm like, you know, I was sitting at my desk, and I and I was like, God, you know, I said, the flesh doesn't want to do this. But I'm going to kneel down here. See, because things that the word says that we can do that we know please him, pay attention to those things that your flesh doesn't like. Because there's, yeah, there's, there's things that, that, I, that I can find in here that I know that please God. And I'm happy to do those things. I love to sing and worship God. But there's other things that I know that would please him that my flesh goes, eh, don't want to do that. But I tell you what, if you do those things, 
until it becomes meaningful to you and God, then you will grow. Okay, now, if you said out loud, if you say out loud that Jesus is your Lord, you believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, you not only will have everlasting life, you will have Jesus, who is that life, and since he is that life, he will give you a purpose which will give your life meaning. Okay, so it says in the beginning of John, John chapter 1, it says, In him was life, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. Light guides. Light directs you. And so it, that life that is in him will be a light to you, to your path. It will give you a direction. It will give you vision. It will give you a meaning in life. Now, after that day in kindergarten, I generally still wanted to please God, like in a general kind of a way. But I really didn't know how. I mean, you're, you're four or five. I mean, you don't... It's like, I, I know something is different. I've lost something. I've lost something. But I, I, don't know, I don't know how to get it back. And so I guess I'll just live life, just sort of move on and just do my best. And years went by, and I learned from what little Bible reading that I did do. I learned, you know, you don't lie, you don't steal. I already knew that, but, you know, you, you don't do those things. You don't do that. And, but see, one day, but, or the day that I asked Jesus to be my Lord, the day that I said out loud, Jesus is my Lord, okay? It was no pro I always believed he was raised from the dead, but I never did say he is my Lord now, okay? That day is a, is a day that everything changed again. Everything changed. I was about 12. We were in church one Sunday because my mom made me go to church every Sunday. Thank you, Mom, for that. And uh, the pastor was giving the altar call, and I have no recollection of what. I don't even know what he said. I have no clue. No idea. You know. Uh, but I remember looking at the Bible while he was talking, and just looking at the Bible, and I thinking to myself, it really doesn't matter how good I try to be. I'm no better off than the worst sinner. And so I decided to raise my hand and go down to the altar and do it God's way. And something changed in my heart again. And that heaviness that had, that had come on my heart when I lied in kindergarten was now gone. It was gone. Now, in, that, in place of that, all that was there that was wanting to come out was tears of joy. Now, I didn't understand this at the time. Okay. But that... Did not, did not originate with me. It, I understood later that was the Holy Spirit's emotional response to him coming back into my heart. You remember a while back we, we, we did that teaching on the place of rest series? You may want to go back and look at that again. How the Holy Spirit wants you to be his place of rest. You are the temple of Almighty God. And I mean, how full of the Holy Spirit can you be? You can be, you can be so full of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, when they first dedicated the Holy Spirit, I mean, the, the, the temple the, in, in the Old Testament, which, of course, the word says its glory was fading away. 
how much more glorious is the new covenant. But you remember that that's a type and a shadow. Back there in the old covenant, when they dedicated the temple, the day that they did that, the Holy Spirit came in and his presence was so thick it was like a cloud. And it said that the priest could not stand. How holy, how full of the Holy Spirit do you want to be? You can be as full of him as you want. Amen. So now after that time in my life, I began to sort of get an understanding that God was wanting to pull me away a little bit from the identity and the purpose that I had chosen for myself in the years before. And the times that I was closer to him, because there were times when I was closer to him than others, and that just has to do with how much time you're spending in here, how much of this you're declaring over your life. And I didn't know anything about confession at that time, outward confession. But, I mean, the word said, hold fast the confession of your faith. You need to do that. You need to speak out loud what the word says about you. Until you do that, it'll be hard to believe it. <clears throat> now, at the times that I was closer to him, uh, that w- there was a stronger pull away from the things that I had defined in my life that gave me purpose and meaning. <clears throat> And he was moving me someplace else, pulling me someplace else. And, and uh, you know, uh, and I noticed also at times that I was closer to him that things would happen in my heart that were unfamiliar to me. For instance, I remember one time in a classroom, some other kids started cussing, you know, and now I didn't do that. I didn't, you know, my mom always said, you better not, you better not say that. You know, so I, and, and my friends, I mean, even at a real young age, they would say, how come you don't cuss like we do? And it was like, I just don't do that. Well, anyway, so they started cussing. Now, normally, and it didn't affect me when they started I'm a child of the 90s, okay? It did not affect me. It, doesn't, it, it did not bother me when other people were cussing all around me. I mean, every movie character in the 90s, every other line, you go back and you look, every other line that comes out of their mouth, the F word's in there someplace. It's just the way it is. But on this particular occasion... When I happened to be closer in my walk with God, when those kids started cussing, all of a sudden there was this unfamiliar response in my chest. I mean, it, it really, really, it was in my heart, but it was such a strong response that it was almost like it was like it was wanting to come out. I mean, I could feel it physically, a physical response almost. And it's like, well, what was it? What was that? It was grief. The Holy Spirit was saddened at the mention of those curse words. See, some people think that God wants to strike down sinners. God, guys, God is grieved by sin because it causes harm. He's grieved. He wants to save people from sin. He wants them to turn away from sin and turn to him so that he can give meaning and purpose to their lives. He wants to give them a, a new life free from sin. So we're in John 14. Turn back a few chapters to John 10. John 10. And when you get there, look down at verse 10. Okay, so look at verse 10. It says, and this is uh, Jesus speaking here. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Listen, Satan's first action in the Garden of Eden, was to try and get Adam and Eve to sin. 
and I'm sad to say that he succeeded. And in doing that, he was able to steal the purpose and meaning from their lives. I mean, think back. The first time that you knowingly did wrong, ask yourself, did, did it, is it like, there's, it's like there's no point to life anymore. I, my life has lost its meaning. And so Satan, his first thing that he'll try to do is get people to sin. And because and if they do that, then that will steal. He will be able to steal the meaning from their life. Take away their hope. That this is why so many people in the world constantly ask the question, what is the meaning of life? This is why. It's because the moment they knowingly sin for the first time, the meaning of the life that God had given them was taken away. Jesus came to restore that meaning. Read that verse again. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The abundant life is a meaningful, purpose-filled life. How does Jesus give you purpose and meaning? Verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He said, I, I am the good shepherd. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 13. Talking about why, how, how Jesus gives meaning to a person's life. He said, I'm the good shepherd. Look down at verse thir or chapter 13, verse 20 in Hebrews. It says, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead... That great shepherd, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, he says here, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. The writer of Hebrews just called Jesus that great shepherd. Flip forward a couple pages to 1 Peter. Just go past the book of James right there to 1 Peter. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. How does Jesus give us purpose? 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, The elders who are, this is Peter, the elders who are 